It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. And we have a sponsor this episode. Yes, and we are very excited about it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You've probably heard of them because they're the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including books read by Hollywood stars. And we think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like Hollywood stars. You probably do. <laughs> For a free audiobook of your choice, go to Audible Podcast podcast.com slash Hollywood pop. That's right. You heard me a free book. It's like the library only you don't have to leave the house, which is much better. <laughs> That's right. So if you're afraid of leaving your room, go to Or if you're just comfortable. That's right. <laughs> uh, so big thank you to them for yeah. sponsoring us. Also, uh, we are mostly listener supported. Yep. Um, so your donations really help us to put this thing on. There is a donate button on our website. Popmyculturepodcast.com. Click there. And if you donate, we do give a shout out to you. Yes. And, uh, we do have a couple people we would love to thank. Oh, yeah, we would. This episode. And give me a beat, Cole. Okay, freestyle <laughs> rapping. Here we go. Vanessa, improv rapping. Thank mm-hmm. you. Here we go. Got a little donation from Natasha. Made so good I want Natasha over a fence and into a pile of fluffy little bunnies that will love you forever. Fluffy little bunnies that will love you forever. Hey, Barbara, 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 do you mind if I call you Barbie? I bet you're a lot like Barbie. She's pretty and nice. But you're smarter than Barbie! That was a good one. That was nice. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot, I bet you don't smell it. I'd like to touch you and feel your pelliot. That's what I call your butthole. Wow. <laughs> and Elliot never donates again. Uh, so yes, big thank you to Natasha, Barbara, and Elliot for uh, donating to the show. We really appreciate it. Yes. If you like the show, you can leave a review on uh, iTunes. It mm-hmm. really helps us bring more ears to the podcast. Yep. And you can also email us at info at popmyculturepodcast.com if you'd like to uh, say hello. Yep, or any feedback you have. We, um, we want to make the show better for you because that's why we're doing it. Yep, and we will write you back. Yep. So uh, feel free to get in touch, shall you? Shall you? <laughs> shall you? Uh, this episode is... Our most Hollywood episode ever. It really is. Uh, we taped it at the Chateau Marmont. Chateau Marmont. In John Hodgman's suite there. Yes. <laughs> uh, and not only did we have John Hodgman, we had some uh, awesome surprise, surprise guests. And they were, guests. I've listened back to this, and it sounds so planned out. Like, And it's so not and planned it was, out. We didn't know any of it was happening, but nope. it's like a knock on the door. It feels like a play. Um, yeah. Hodgman had mentioned that uh, John Roderick may be around yeah. and could possibly come on the show as well. I'm like, oh, cool. But uh, a lot more than that happened. Yeah. So it was it was a really magic, funny, funny experience. And it was like exactly what you would think in your head of like, oh, we're going to the Chateau Marmont, but it'll be a star-studded event. And, it uh, was. We recorded it back on March 5th, which was the uh, anniversary of uh, of John Belushi's death, which yeah. we'll talk about. Though I think I do say Jim Belushi looking, listening back. So oh. take that as a Freudian slip if you need to. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, sorry about Cole that. Cole bl- blames everything on fl- Freud these days. I He's do. really going oh, through something. Freud. <laughs> uh, so enjoy it. We did have some time constraints. Uh, Hodgman had uh, a very full schedule. He's only yep. in town for a couple of days. So uh, we, we didn't get to all of our questions and everything. Yep. Um, but yep. I think it's action-packed yep and it's a good it's a good hour yeah so of, of podcasting so i uh, hope you enjoy it here so we go put on your headphones and ride Yee-hoo! bitches 
Our guest today, he's our favorite deranged millionaire, author and actor and writer and producer. Or and singer. <laughs> John Hodgman is here. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah. See? The dulcet tones of Mr. John Hodgman. That's Hello, his, That should be his first record. That's what you should call it. <laughs> <laughs> the dulcet tones of Mr. John Hodgman. Welcome. The tired mumblings of John Hodgman. <laughs> I'd listen. Sure. How are you guys? We're great. Thank you for coming to my hotel room. <laughs> of course. We are. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's talk about it. It's kind of very Hollywood what we're doing right now. I think it's fantastic to yeah. see you guys. What I'm staying here in Hollywood uh, on uh, personal and professional business of mm. my own that you people do not need to know about. Cocaine dealer. <laughs> well, we are at a, a very famous, wonderful. Or should hotel. we say infamous? Uh, uh, sure. Okay, great. <laughs> it's the Chateau Momo, and today the is Chateau the Momo. anniversary of Mr. JB. Is that so? Not yeah. Justin Bieber, but Justin oh, future or death. Of, uh, of his passing. Yeah, yeah Jim Belushi In died Bungalow on... Bungalow 3, here yeah. at the Chateau Marmont. That's right. right. So if his guest oh. makes... I mean, his ghost makes a guest appearance. Oh, I did not know that. We could summon him. Let's I, just do a seance episode. I've stayed in that bungalow. You have? Yeah, the the... You know, I, I became addicted to this hotel um, when happen? I was gainfully employed oh, yeah. uh, okay. by a major computer corporation. Mm-hmm. And the the director... Gateway? What's that? Gateway? Yeah. <laughs> Gateway 2000, oh, please. Yeah. Please use the proper name. It was Dell, right? You were like, dude, you got to get a Dell. That was yeah. you, right? Yeah, that was, that was me. That was me. <laughs> I thought so. I'm a waiter now. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, uh, Phil Morrison, the director of those ads, has been staying in this hotel forever and so I would visit him here, and then on the la- on what I presumed would be the last round of ads, yeah. I pulled out all the stops and I said, "Look, guys, please send me <gasps> and my family to the Chateau Marmont." Won't I you? love it. And this was—I was sure that this was the last fling of the ads yeah. because it had been going on at that time for six months. <laughs> oh, baby! <laughs> and I was convinced. <laughs> I was like, there is no way this crazy thing is going to go beyond six months. So, and they were, uh, they, and they did it. And, uh, and maybe I, and, and, and so. Did then they keep doing it? Well, no, then I became addicted and started doing it myself <laughs> and spending all my kids' college money on, on, on jaunts oh, here schmolage. at the Chateau, here at the Chateau Marmont because it's so lovely here. They, they act so nice when I when I when I give them my credit card. But and they're um, so pretty. I mean, Everyone I priced a room here for forty five dollars. I don't know how I did it. Just type it in. Priceline's so great. But we stayed in Bungalow Three and did not know that that was the bungalow where where John Belushi uh, passed away until after we left. Oh, and it was weird. Kind of the perfect weird, strange experience. It is a, it is another world up there on that hill where those bungalows yeah. are. Yeah. And you know who was with him, of course. I do not. He was partying uh, that night uh, with um, Robert De Niro and Robin Williams. What? And they left. And then he ordered from his personal physician one last injection. Oh. Oh, my And he died. Yeah, but they left before he, before he passed away. That was his thing. Oh, my And then gosh. not long ago, I did an, uh, an episode of Community. Yeah. And 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 basically broke even on my pay because I wanted to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was worth it because yeah. I uh, they uh, they did not put me up in bungalow 
three, but but I did stay in Bungalow Four that time, which is the exact mirror opposite, and it's a beautiful place. And um, the person who picked me up to the 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 Don, the fellow who picked me up to drive me to uh, the Paramount lot to do uh, the community, um, revealed that he was like, "Oh yeah, I've been here before." I'm like, "Well, sure you have." And he said, "Yeah, I was I was John Belushi's driver." What? And wow, it was really so. I was picked up basically from that room by John Belushi's oh my god driver, and he was like, he was the sweetest guy in the world, but he was completely out of control, and um, he would uh, get calls in the middle of the night, uh, or but no, basically he would drive him to set, and then he would get a call saying, "We need you to go look for him." Oh he's dis- oh he's no. disappeared, wow. and he came to know the different clubs that he would go to, and. Track he would go down. track him down and convince him to get back into the car and come back to the set and continue to work. And stuff. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I think the most tragic thing about that was he didn't get his cleaning deposit back. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> it's true. It's a sick man, Cole Stratton. Oh, no, it's, oh, it is sad. Oh, it, Here's, a call a from call. John, here's a call from John Roderick. Oh. The, host of, the co-host of the famous podcast Roderick on the Line. <laughs> Hello, John Roderick. Hang on, hang on. I'm putting you on speaker. John Roderick, you're now on a podcast, so be careful. Oh, we are right now uh, participating in a podcast recording. Yeah. How yeah. are you, John? Caller, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, what's your name and where are you calling from? I'm, I'm calling from the, uh, the patio restaurant at the Chateau Marmont. Oh, really? You should you should uh, maybe come on up and come say hello. Up. What's on your mind, John? Well, I would love to do that, except Amy Mann is arriving. Uh, she can come, she too. <laughs> Well, so, oh, I, it was just a star-studded, uh, it's a, a night of a thousand stars here at the Pop My Culture <laughs> podcast, live from the Chateau Marmont telethon. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you mentioned to Amy Mann that we're doing a podcast up in, up in this piece, and if, you, uh, and if she wishes to come up, great, and if not, it's fine, I will just Screw tell Amy stories Mann. about you both. No, no, here's what's going to happen. You guys keep podcasting. Okay. And I am going to grab Amy Mann, and we're going to come up and join your podcast. Sorry, guys, we're going to have a brief interruption as Cole tells us a little bit more about our awesome sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many new New York Times bestsellers. And trust me, if you've got a road trip coming up or something, an audiobook will save your life, especially because mm-hmm. you're probably all caught up on Pop My Culture podcasts, right? Uh, have you ever visited Harlem with Samuel L. Jackson or traveled the Yellow Brick Road with Anne Hathaway? I would go anywhere with her. Have you explored the pangs of youth with Susan Sarandon or the pangs of love with Kate Winslet? All these and more to come are available on Audible. Their A-list collection features Hollywood's finest reading their favorite books, from A Rage in Harlem to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Member of Our Wedding, and Therese Raquin. Upcoming performances star Dustin Hoffman, Colin Firth, Nicole Kidman, and many more. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. I totally recommend you do it. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash hollywoodpop. That's audiblepodcast.com slash hollywoodpop. Thank you, Cole. And now let's get back to John Hodgman as he finishes his call with our surprise guest. (laughs) All right, John. I'll talk to you later. Okay, you guys keep it up and we'll be there shortly. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That's John Roderick, the famous famous musician and independent rock uh, 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 god. Rugged, from, uh, beautiful from the man. Long rugged, a rugged Alaskan man Ooh. and the, the, the lead singer and songwriter of the Long, long Winters, Winters Band. And he 
uh, and I have been staying at this hotel because we had to do a show in Tucson, Arizona. Well, I saw that because we just saw... Okay, so we went to your show at Largo on Friday night. Yeah. And then hours later, it seemed like you were like, Tucson at a wig store. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, there are no direct... Fl- this is the, 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 the depravity of my addiction at this point yeah, it to this hotel bad. is that when I realized there are no direct flights to Tucson, I was like, maybe what I need... The only option I have is to fly to L.A. Oh, my God. <laughs> spend a night... At the hotel, and then commute to Tucson, and then come back. That really was your only option. It really, it really was, because otherwise I was going to have to go through like Dallas or stay in another hotel. But luckily, we were able to book a, a, a show at the wonderful Largo Theater at the Coronet. An amazing so place you were great. to perform. Oh, thank you very much. We had awesome. a really, really good time. John Roderick and I singing songs and doing my imitation of stand-up comedy, and it all. It all evens out in the end. I'm a very lucky, deranged millionaire. That you are I get to such a deranged millionaire. Perform with such people. It was so enchanting. My favorite part was the end. It usually is. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> over it, you know? Yeah, it usually when you're just is. Over something and you want to leave. Yeah. No, it was um, when La Vie en Rose. It oh, was an yeah. encore, and it was so enchanting, and the whole audience was whistling along, and it just felt like this big transportative moment. Well, I am uh, an, Im- an imitation comedian. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a comedian or a stand-up comic. I'm a, I'm a, a, a literary humorist at right. best. I mean, my, my job is to elicit wry chuckles. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> audible, audible laughter is still a novelty. You just scared me, actually, when you did <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you so. did look. Your eyes got big. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, <laughs> she's baring her teeth. This could be the end. Um, but Ooh. I... Um, uh, uh, but I, I discovered that if you end your imitation of stand-up comedy with a, a sing-along, <laughs> everyone has such a good time because there isn't enough singing along no. in the world, you know. There really and isn't. everyone has such a lovely time that they forget all the mistakes that I made. There were none. It was a great show. Thank you very much. It was much. so magical. Though I think at least three mic stands lost their lives that oh, evening. Oh, yeah. Deranged. Right. I, you know, look, I've been... I'm a I'm a very mild mannered person. I, mm. you know, in recent in recent years, when I started writing this new book, I realized that that I had become what I once foretold or thought that I would never become, and therefore made a joke out of it. A deranged millionaire. I'd, you know, I had created with John Flansburg this deranged millionaire character for a series of They Might Be Giants videos back in 2003 so awesome. or four. Yeah. When the idea that I would even be financially secure in any way, <laughs> when I, as a as a freelance writer and literary humorist was it was itself a joke, and and then all of a sudden you know flash forward what a very fast and dizzying five or six years or so, and the the Daily Show had had happened and the Apple ads had happened and then ended, and leaving me very confused and strange feeling and sad. Um, also happy. I mean, they we yeah. they we had a good run. Is <laughs> <laughs> it okay? Yeah. There was a couple of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and 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 uh, I felt and and financially secure and 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 I dare say a little bit more than I ever expected to be in yeah. my life. And uh, and so I felt kind of like this Howard Hughes like figure, sort of freed from the world in a strange way. A guy who could uh, go to the Chateau Marmont if he wanted and walk around uh, barefoot. Yeah. Clip uh, your toenails wherever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, so uh, 
I, I took on this persona, and, and I'm normally a very mild-mannered person who cares a lot about what other people think of me, which is not what a deranged millionaire usually does. They, <laughs> right. they don't care what other people think of them. And it's, a, it's a very empowering persona to take on. And so on stage, um, I began to experiment with um, shoving things. Um, mic stands in particular, because <laughs> they make such a satisfying thunk when they hit the ground. It's such a slow, beautiful fall, too. Yeah. It's kind of topple over. The it's first just time wonderf- you did it in the show, it made me scared, and then it kept happening, and by the end of it, I was just pleased. And then the mic stands were shoving themselves over. Yeah. Right. Became, Do you remember that one yeah. that just fell over on its own? In a very perfect moment. It really did. It was. I, I wish I could say that I had arranged it, but I have to say, <laughs> Largo, the Coronet, is one of my very favorite places to perform. And an honor, it's an honor to take that stage, having seen the Paul F. Tompkins show yep. there and the Thrilling really Adventure Hour oh, yeah. and all the amazing people who have crossed that stage. I was very intimidated the first time I ever performed there, which, and the, the time you saw me was the second time. So, oh, wow. Yeah, but, and Flanagan is amazing and Michael is amazing. Everyone there is great, but their mic stands are ass. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, everyone that fell over broke. Yep. The clip, particularly the plastic clip the that holds the, the mic, yeah. they, sh- they would just shatter. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, they they deducted uh, uh, $7,500 from my pay. That seems about to, right. To, rep- to replace those <laughs> So you owed them $6,500. I know. I know. Is, so I have to yeah. go perform there again. But oh, right. I just, you know, I think they should get some higher quality. You guys have some nice microphones here. They're not bad. We shove them. Not bad. I'm not going to do <laughs> I'm it. I'm not going to well, do it either. The fall's not very big because they're little yeah. tiny desk stands. They're short. I'm so not those, that do uh, it that commercial campaign uh, was from 2006 to 2010, I guess. Yeah, That's the last bananas. ones we shot were in 2010. They could have been very different because I auditioned for those, and it could have been you and me, John. That would have been great. I'm just saying. Uh, I remember that I just. You would have been like a lot better. One than of the most <laughs> shrouded. No, that was like one of the most shrouded in secrecy auditions I've ever done. Like that was like uh, they you couldn't see the sides till you got in the room. You had you to sign a non-disclosure, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, wow. Like, and sometimes you do those and yeah. you get afterwards. And you're like, really? That you want to not disclose that? Like, what's the point? But it's like an ad they don't even run or something like that. But this, when I walked in, I was like, oh, okay. All so right, you actually good. auditioned for? I them? actually did. Wow. Yeah. At first, they were seeing actors. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think I've, it's interesting. It I've never met someone who hadn't auditioned for those ads. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember. I, no, but I mean, the the, the I, I say that with that sounds very bright. I, I, the whole thing was extremely weird and humbling because you know I I I got a call and I'd just been on the Daily Show maybe six times. And you're the first person that had gone from guest to correspondent. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, I'm not a correspondent. I'm a contributor. A contributor. Um, there may be others, but I don't know. But I was that a guest. said no on the internet. I was, well, then, <laughs> the it's o- then it's obviously true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was a guest on the show to promote my first book of fake trivia, uh, the areas of my expertise. And then they had me back to be a contributor. And I'd done that six times and mm-hmm. thought it is not going to get weirder than this. <laughs> and then I got the, this call saying, well, you want to come in to audition? And I was like, I could understand how that might happen because I, yeah. I was on TV now. But I, I was still curious, like, why me? So I went to the audition largely not thinking that I would ever get the job. That was impossible. Right. But largely with the, the, the mission to find out why, why me. And I walked into the room in New York and I saw almost literally every person I knew in performance in New York, oh, like wow. actors and comedians in that room. I was like, it was like a reunion. Wow. And I realized, oh, it's not, they didn't want to see me. They want to see every, everyone on the planet. And I live on that planet. Yes. 
And so it's all the, all the stranger that it ended up being being me. I would have loved to have done those ads with you, but I love Justin Long so much. I thought, yeah, he's great. Right? <laughs> yeah, he was such a sweet. He is such a sweet person, and very, very, very funny person. That's yeah, why I those ads kept going. I mean, well, he, did you guys was, know each other before? Well, I was a fan of the movie Jeepers Creepers, of course. <laughs> Naturally. But, but, oh, oh, boy. Someone, Who's there? Someone's I'll, at the door. I, get it? I think it I'll might be a, a raven knocking at your chamber door. We have some special guests coming in right now. This is fantastic. Hello. Hello. I'm oh, nice to meet you. here's the thing. No, no, Come no, sit on the couch with, 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 uh, couch with me, all three of us. The reason that I like this hotel, uh, aside from um, uh, its beauty and its uh, strangeness and its history and its ghosts, but it is a place that uh, promotes serendipity. Yeah, look at what just happened. That's right. I, I've never... I <laughs> <laughs> well, John, in all fairness, did call me and tell me to come over. <laughs> but it wasn't the call serendipitous, though? Which John, though? As you know, John Roderick, aside from being a very talented singer-songwriter, is an agent of serendipity in life. Well, and also, I'm a, I'm a member of that generation that doesn't... That feels like you don't tell a lady when you're taking her to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gentleman we have Wait a minute. Here. <laughs> Two tickets to the podcast ball. <laughs> Terrific. Come on up, sweetheart. Wow. Yeah. Well, this Pretty is definitely uh, the first uh, episode where we've had cameos. So this yeah. is nice. I like this. Uh, by the way, this is called Pop My Culture. This is what you guys are doing. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Amy. Hi, John. This is a real, is this is a real podcast. So I may catch up. It's mostly just politics and also, like, we name which races we don't like. Oh, boy. So, you start. <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> there are so many of them. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was John Rod- <laughs> Yeah. Oh, burn. Alaskans? We were they, are the, uh, they will be the survivors. The They're a survivor the race. Just the... Just- just the yeah. just the big white Alaskans. Yeah, the big white ones. Yeah. We can talk about a few <laughs> universal things we were going to talk about. One was that uh, it's we're getting really close to the Hunger Games opening, and, especially uh, when we release this episode because <laughs> it will be out like right when the Hunger Games yeah. is opening, mm-hmm. uh, and people are freaking out, and it's already made a ton of money in presale. Is that um, so? Yeah, oh. yes. a lot of that. like almost the first weekends are sold out at most places and stuff, which is pretty insane because yeah. it's kind of that in the new Batman movie that are going to do that kind of business. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. I know. I have. Re- I just finished reading the Hunger Games, and now I'm halfway through the second book. A young woman in my life read them all very quickly and likes them very much. So I felt the need to yes. familiarize myself with this. So you could phenomenon. relate to your mistress. So I could relate. <laughs> <laughs> my preteen mistress and I. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's. Um, I'm finding them very. I was. I. It, the, I I don't want to say anything. I'm still deciding whether they're really well written or okay written. They're just so easy to consume. I sped through them too. Yeah. I, um, they're pretty spare. Like you don't yeah. know what people look they like. And they're, I couldn't believe that they're written. I mean, the, the grades they're giving them to kids is like fourth grade. Yeah. And it is dark. I mean. It is. But what, the thing that, that are, on, on the argument of, re, of really well written or very um, uh, written with craft and yeah. deftness is that it, it is a story about children murdering each other right? Uh, for, for blood sport. Amy's I've interested. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it's, in the, it's young adult fiction. Yeah. It is. It is designed as right. young adult fiction. I do do you know the story of The Hunger Games? I don't, but I do appreciate the spare mm-hmm. young adult 
style of writing. That, yeah. I mean, there were – you know, when I grew up in sort of the 70s, there were some really great young adult books that I always felt should be considered, you know, as great literature. Sure. Like, Are like, You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, yeah. I never did read that. <laughs> the Giver. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a lot of those. The Giver. Pretty. The Pig Man. Uh, all the S.E. Hinton, I don't know the, uh, the Outsider, oh, yeah. the Wrinkle in Time. She's, uh, she's on oh, Twitter. S.E. Hinton is. Wingle. Oh, I love her. And uh, and the the Tripod Trilogy, which I feel is a nerd you ought to know. About. I do know about and and and, and the Tripod Trilogy. The City of is something like that. It's yeah, it's uh, it's also it's very much the Hunger Games owes a debt to a lot of things. Not least of which Battle Royale. Yep. I mean, yeah. come on. It's kind of the same. It's right? exact, but but also there <laughs> is this thing that Amy makes reference to the tripod trilogy, which mm-hmm. is lodged very deep in the back of my mind. Let it's me see if fantastic. I can remember. It. It's set in the future. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's much like the Hunger Games is. It's set in a world in which uh, there has been an alien invasion of some kind, right? Well, for a long time, you don't really realize right, that. Right, because it's told it's from set, the point of view it of... It feels of, like it's set in sort of medieval times. Right. Yeah. There, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a, like a pre-technological society. Yeah. But it turns out it's in the future. Yeah. And, and at some point, uh, aliens have uh, uh, taken over Earth and gotten and have basically enslaved the humans. And then there's a ceremony, Right. The, Where, cap, the capping ceremony? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> describe, describe the capping ceremony. Oh, Wait she's a minute. pulling out a book. Where now that you say capping ceremony, I realize I know these books. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. these books. John I read Christopher, them who just died. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No. Um, like a week ago. Uh, the okay, teenagers, so the, when the teenagers come of age. They like around the age of fourteen, and the great thing about the books is that you don't really real like the, there's nothing science fictiony about it for a long time. Until they start talking about this capping and you're like, that's interesting. What, what could that possibly be? And then you realize that there's there's kind of a subtle presence, a presence that everyone has gotten used to right. of these very giant, almost water towery uh, tripods. tripods. Right. And when you were 14, they, they, you, you go inside them and you emerge uh, with your head shaven in a metal mesh cap. And, uh, you are totally head. freaking me out right now because I haven't read these books since I was a kid. Yeah, I read them when I was like little. They're amazing. Ch- I have chills yeah. all over my body because I haven't thought of this in years. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And then I can't believe we've the read only thing I can think of. The three of us have read. This. I, have, I have two questions. What is the these in this order? And you can answer them in any way order you want. Uh, what does the mesh cap do? Uh, and can you see a brain then, through it? It's a mind does, control. No, and then no. does your it, it hair grow meshes. through it? Or, yes, it or, grows through okay. it. So, <laughs> so there's no people get hair back, yeah, right? There's no yeah. disfigurement. Okay. In the, you know, in, in the in the long term, right? Um, but you are, you know, you're forever more accepting of the of the, the tripods, the tripods as a thing. And do the tripods walk around? I don't remember. Do they walk around they do the walk countryside? Around. They do oh. walk around. There are these giant walk like And in Roman. different countries, yeah. there are different customs that involve the tripods. Oh. In other countries, there is a human <laughs> hunting sort of thing that goes on. A what? Uh-huh. A what? Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where our heroes come from, that doesn't exist, but as they travel, as they're, they go on their journey... They uh, and I and I think it was like you know one guy was like I don't think I like this idea of capping and so he kind of goes he uh, takes off he goes, goes and why don't they cap them at birth uh, if the, their if heads the are changing your heads are always changing yeah. is, is that seriously what it is yes, come on wow. if you've got a giant metal tripod robot you can't figure <laughs> out an expanding uh, uh, skull mesh. 
You were really no fun. Well, I'm just <laughs> saying. Well, no, the, 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 uh, the, incident, the incident where the aliens could figure that out, uh, there was never a book written about them because oh. there were no witnesses. Oh, um, I see. So what would happen, so what would happen in the human, human hunting? Uh, I think, uh, first of all, I think there's like a competition. There's kind of an Olympic competition to, mm-hmm. to call the, the strongest and swiftest. Uh-huh. Got and it. And then they are uh, let loose in the countryside where the tripods run after them. And oh, the, they, oh, the they, tripods, they, tripods, tripods hunt them down. Yeah. Yeah. Do they eat mm-hmm. them? They kill them. I don't Just for sport. Well, the tripods well, so are metal. We don't really know what's in the tripods, although we find out in the third book. <gasps> Do See, not spoil it. Right. Well, that's the thing. I didn't mean to spoil it. I, I, I became familiar with it because I was doing research on the day of the Triffids for some reason. John Wyndham, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I was doing I – was, I was sort of br- brushing up on, 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 on weird post-apocalyptic literature because mm-hmm. of the, the, my, my own book of weird post-apocalyptic literature. And it sort of led me to the tripods, and I, I, I don't know that I ever read it, but I knew a lot about it mm-hmm. from kids in school, and I sort of brushed up on it. So I, I knew from the beginning that there are these tripods. But right. you're saying right. the way you experience the book, you think you're reading some dumb, boring, Johnny Tremaine, <laughs> like, historical fiction, and all of a sudden there's a yeah, giant got, robot in you know, it putting young, things on. young man travels from village to village because he, you know, is kind of rebelling. But, I mean, you do find out about the caps. It's just done very subtly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not sort of a, you know, it, it, it the world it describes is not otherworldly at all. You right. Know, there, there is a, you know, for a long time you think it's, uh, it's sort of a medieval time. Right. That, that's what's know, so great about classic science fiction, right? It wasn't all about robots and uh, spaceships. A lot of it was, well, of course, was mind. Which makes it. Oh, do you think? Do you think? Do you think the story? Do you think the story about uh, the 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 kids coming of age, uh, and that when they turn a certain age, they are suddenly uh, uh, forced to uh, conform to an adult life of boring and mediocrity might be a metaphor for something? Probably well, not. Or do you no, think... No, not at all. <laughs> no, no. It sounds like the script of Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's weird because dancing was not allowed in the Triffids. And the yeah. <laughs> there you go. So we've come full circle. But so Amy Everything Mann, leads back to Kevin Bacon. Since, since, uh, since you are not a member of human civilization, apparently, I'll explain to you that the, the plot of The Hunger Games is a, uh, a future society after some unspecified apocalypse. Mm-hmm. North America is... Uh, there's a new country in North America mm-hmm. that has a very wealthy capital and a bunch of impoverished Districts sort of fief- all, fiefdoms. Yeah. And once a year, there's this thing called the Hunger Games where each of these districts has to, get, has to send one boy and one girl into a competition called the Hunger Games. where they're, So there are 24 teenagers... Kid, yeah. And then they just fight each other to the death until there's one left, and that's the winner. Ugh. And then yeah. what happens to the district where the one kid it, comes from? It gets showered in food pellets. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> food pellets. <laughs> Woo, make it rain. Yeah. Food pellets. It gets, so it's like a gladiator type of a, it is. a situation? It is. And I you thought it think? was a vampire story. No? Well, oh. there are werewolves, though. It's the one that isn't a vampire story in American culture right now. Although... Human, young adult gladiator, that's no... Well, it's very... There's a good love triangle. It's very... You can really get behind it. It's very... I mean, it's very grim, and I was concerned about this young woman in my life reading these books, but um, it's it's very, very deft the way she uh, handles the deaths. Interesting. Most Mm -hmm. of them happen off camera, and the the heroine is, at least at the point that I'm reading now, 
is um, is only really responsible for one or two direct murders, mm-hmm. and it's always predicated very carefully by yeah. an yeah. injustice. Yeah, this guy's a bad guy. Like, yeah. this is a bad dude yeah. or whatever. Well, honestly, I mean, and it's I, no worse than, you know, the tripods chasing down and murdering uh, right. and crushing to death. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that and was I, pretty horrible, actually. Well, yeah. so you're, you're meant to identify yeah. with the murdering little teenager in Hunger Games. Oh, well, well right. you're, you're meant to. I mean, it, it it is stated that this is an awful thing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, she, there's a morality. And she is aware. It. the The main character is a young woman, and God, she is yes. aware and 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 is and is increasingly aware of just how awful it is. Right. Um, and I think the story of the book, to some degree, is her sort of, you know. Uh, 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 the, the mobilization of her conscience to do to do something other well, than yeah. just it's also set up that she's sort of noble because she like her it's her sister that's selected and then she, she like steps in as a tribute yeah. and says no I'll do it instead basically so she's right so she's already sister. a martyr but I don't know like I it's so she's so deft at making all of these murders justified yeah that I don't know whether it's great or awful <laughs> well I think when you go through the rest of the books it gets a little less like that the yeah. first one seems the easiest to swallow in terms of the yeah. setups of like bad guy gets it and then I think after they sort of sell you on the concept it gets more grim Mm -hmm. but she also is going through this arc of i mean it's so it's like so thinly veiled exactly like this once this part's about the communists and this part's about like she goes through all these different you know maybe this is the way to live maybe this is the way to live and you see all these different parties so there's an arc of like a burgeoning yeah like you know although this is the world i've grown up in like this I'm realizing this is horrible. Like even if it's the yeah, world, and I'm searching for the right yeah. society for myself to right. fit in. Well, when does she start going through the politics 101 different society question? Book two. Book two. Well, I'm halfway through a, that. I'm sixty. I'm, I'm reading it. I'm reading it on a device, so I happen to know I am sixty-seven percent done. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the Wizard and of I, Oz, where where something represents the gold standard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, maybe, the, maybe it's, the, it's the, the metaphor, industrialist John. versus the yeah. <laughs> Well, this is why I the feel, second Highlander that, movie was so, so, so much better than the first because that's when you really understand the moral implications. Are you talking about Highlander Two: The Quickening? The Highlander Quickening. Two: The Quickening. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where that's where the Highlander series really became, you know, really deepened Deep? and deepened and broadened because you you started to see that it was just a, it was just a metaphor. <laughs> for, yeah, for, for the, the quick deepening broadening. You had to, you had to, you had to understand, understand there were moral consequences yeah. to killing the. Uh, I have never, I have Mario never Van seen to the third one, and it all came full circle. I have never done. seen a Highlander I've never film. Seen what? That's I don't know ridiculous. what it is. You can't literally. Does he ride a motorcycle? You can't actually be saying. <laughs> what? Have you does never seen a, a Highlander? Seen Highlander? Does he wear a kilt? Yeah, I think that I saw. He does wear a kilt. I think that I saw Highlander finally, like years, years, years later. And I was like, Bleh. Highlander with the great Sean Connery. Well, and the not so great Christopher Lambert. But, but may I just say, <laughs> oh, I have the, no idea what this the is. The capital G great. You know what? I'm going to say capital G and capital rate. Whoa, Whoa. Clancy Brown. Love oh. Clancy Brown. The greatest. He's actually come up a lot on the podcast of Clancy Brown talk oh, no, on our really? podcast. Strangely, <laughs> no, and the fact that like we're what we're if Clancy Brown walked in here. right now? <gasps> That'd be great. Everyone, keep <laughs> your phones on. Have you heard this later. Hollywood legend that if you say Clancy Brown three <laughs> times at the Chateau Marmont, <laughs> someone <laughs> dies but he appears? <laughs> you get Shawshank Redemption on DVD for free. It's great. You can edit it. all the Ch- Ch- uh, Chancy Brown uh, references in your various podcasts together into one. Chancey Brown maybe podcast. Like, maybe put a beat behind it as a mashup. Chancey <laughs> <laughs> Brown, what? Love that guy. Love his work. When he, when he, when his character died in Buckaroo Bonsai, I was very sad as a child. Don't, mm. don't dwell on it now. 
I have, I, have to go, I have to go into the west wing of my suite at the Chateau Marmont <laughs> for a little privacy for a moment. Only a child would care about what happened in Buckaroo Bonsai. But here's... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wait. Wait, 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 wait. Nerd baiting is my favorite of all the contact sports. Dangle, That's right. Dangle, dangle. That's right. I said it. I wouldn't want to be a public figure who is on record mm-hmm. saying Highlander is great and mm-hmm. Buckaroo Banzai is not great. Well, but you know, there's you know a little what? bit of a generation gap between you and me. You make choices. I didn't like Ooh. Smurfs either. Baiting too. Wow. Um, <laughs> Bait in every way you can. Have you seen that? that uh, <laughs> I'm much younger than him. Have you seen that? that? <laughs> I'm older than him. You're older. Oh. Have you seen that like nerd bait picture that's out there? That's basically, I think it's like a picture of like Luke Skywalker or something. There's a quote on it that says "Make it so," and then it attributes it to Gandalf, like all on one thing, <laughs> right. just to get the hate from the nerds. It's pretty great. But the thing about Hunger Games, and I, I've actually enjoyed it very much. And I, and I, it's it's um, it's not something I want to say on a podcast. I don't want to malign. There's a certain performer on a television show. Uh, where yeah, where no. you we'll do where the the performance that she gives David Letterman um, I don't yeah. I really yeah, I don't want to right. uh, uh, Janine Garofalo the performance that she gives is <laughs> utterly captivating no, but you Janine don't Garofalo. know mm-hmm. whether it is utterly captivating because she's a genius actor who's making very strange choices or she can't she doesn't really know what she's doing Nell Carter. Exactly. Knew it. From Give Me a Break. Season two, especially. (laughs) Um, And I kind of feel the same way about Hunger Games, where I'm just like, I don't know whether she's a gene, like an amazing writer, or um, just a a very good uh, creator of a plot. Yeah. And who, who... uh, skilled in the form of of the treatment, basically. But I think for young adult novels, I don't even care because I've read so much of what kids are reading, and whatever it is is a lot better than the usual stuff. That oh, it's you know? well. I mean, so. sto- story wise, it's uh, it's utterly captivating, yeah, and exactly. I and I really feel like she that something has happened in the second book that it's much better written than mm-hmm. the, than the first. But for all of that, Battle Royale exists in the world. I mean, I didn't, it, I didn't. Imagine that. No, no, it's very <laughs> real. Yeah, and it's, no one has, uh, or is this a topic of conversation? No, people. All the time? Yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's. I mean, I used to work at a video store and we imported it, and that thing rented like crazy. People were obsessed. Battle with it. Royale was a a Japanese film and book um, yeah. and book and novel. Mm-hmm. Very popular novel that turned into a film that was very controversial um, because it wouldn't be released in the United States because it was about a near future uh, Japan in which. Once a year, <laughs> a, a, cla- a class of high school students were sent to an island, and they had uh, collars put around their necks that would explode oh. in a, in twenty four hours or yep. forty eight hours or something, oh. and uh, and they were given weapons and could and were encouraged to fight until one person was alive. I would just wait for the collar. Yeah, hide. I mean, well, I mean, but like, here's the thing. It sounded what, absolutely what monstrous. Putting the collar on as well, that, yeah. seems, that seems like overkill. We've got mm-hmm. enough going on. You're pretty fashion forward. They look nice. And <laughs> I, I really, and my friend uh, Jay Evans, uh, now living in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Jay. Hey, uh, Jay. Got a copy of it, uh, bootleg somehow. And I, I, I was like, I don't want to see this movie about children murdering each other. Even then, that seemed wrong 
But it was a really good movie. It's great. <laughs> well, it was super it was, brutal, too. It was like absolutely it's... uncompromising, but it was those characters were real, and the situations were... It was it was never a situation like that guy's just a bad guy, so he deserves to die. It was really good. It was uh, like real movie. Friends and, was, and classmates, yeah, like forced to murder each other. And it was not, but it was not in, in any way exploitative or <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but let me ask you this though. Let me ask the question, which is: uh, are, 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 are these children being put to these tests in both the Hunger Games and in Battle Royale? Because the elders of the society have determined that this is the way to avoid war. Oh no! Well, or is it in just Hunger Games, it's sports. entertainment. It's, it's um, just reality an, TV. Yeah, it's just rea- It's just because reality I have television. long felt that this would be a good way to avoid larger conflicts. To have sort of uh, neighborhood stick fights or proxy <laughs> proxy battles yeah. like football. Yeah, they have it. It's called sports. Which is called <laughs> sports, right? Yeah. But to the death. No, John Roderick. No, where you would have your World Cup of soccer, except at the end. France would all be killed. Wait, so what? And then there would be no. Well, then, then, uh, then our bloodlust would be sated, and we would not. uh, We would know who the champion country was, and we wouldn't have to. Let's just fight war battles. Let's just put this up on the Chateau Marmont tote board. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Under John Roderick, we can say hates Chinese, (laughs) (laughs) loves Highlander, sure, endorses genocide. (laughs) (laughs) It isn't genocide if you're just having. No, no, I'm not saying it isn't genocide if you win. It's not genocide if it's France. No, I'm not saying that. It's genocide if it's France. No, I'm not saying. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not genocide know. if it's France. Two yeah. countries. They, Two have, countries they have more than earned it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying. Not, I'm saying just the soccer team gets killed, not the nation of France, right? If their soccer team loses, everybody everybody dies, well, and then don't you think the nation here, of France here comes will the police for you <laughs> about the murder of their people? Are you saying that the nation of France isn't going to have angst anyway? They are happy people. What if that were <laughs> notoriously <laughs> easygoing? <laughs> what if that were a French siren? <laughs> 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 arrested by gendarme. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: you're right, John Rock. It's like why? Why does this exist? And they give extremely murky answers. I mean, it's, it's blood sport. It's entertainment. In the Hunger Games, there's some contrived explanation. In Battle Royale, they don't even bother to give an explanation. Uh, Beat Takeshi, the the who's a, a great Japanese actor, is is basically like the principal of the school. Who, wa- who the kids are going on a field trip. He comes in and takes out a knife, throws it across the room into a girl's forehead to get their attention. Whoa! And then explains, basically, uh, you are going to all fight to the death. You know why this is happening. You know you had this coming. And. As an audience member, you're like, I don't know. What <laughs> that what little is it? girl doesn't it get the chance. Tough times. Prison camp. It was. It was. A, it, it clearly was a, a, an expression of something, some anxiety about youth, and some culturally specific anxiety about youth that oh. I didn't get at all. But ultimately, when you when you are reading a book that condemns the blood sport of children fighting each other to the death and then just goes on to describe children fighting each yeah. other to the yeah. death. Yeah. It becomes a little... If, if it was written by Harlan Ellison, there would be... A, a, if, it was, if it was a proper piece of science fiction, right. there would be some element where you, the reader, would have to go, hmm, right, I see why they're doing this. Other, uh, uh, greater than just like... Gotta it's, find out what happens yeah. well, that's It's great to see kids kill each other. Yeah. That's sexy. Well, yeah, and at no point does The Hunger Games... Suggests that this isn't awful, but it's yeah. still that. And what makes it co- more complicated is that the the the, the reasoning for it is so kind of like it doesn't really land. Like it's 
it's punishment for the is an uprising still time for us to districts? doctor this screenplay, or is this already made? No, it's already done. No, it's already but happened. one of the thi- one will, of the weird things about it as you go on. Yeah, one of the weird things about it, and well, that I look forward to that because yeah. I'm actually I do like it. Yeah. Will, it'll be a series. It'll yeah, be, okay. a series of movies. Yeah. But one of the and interesting books. things, and maybe this will also books. change as I read it. I know you guys want a hilarious light pop culture thing. But Let's do this. Um, Let's get I, kid murdery. I have a degree in literature. So, <laughs> so this is what you get. Uh, well, you have, a, you have a degree in litera- li- literary theory. Literary theory, exactly. Right. So, Don't embellish. Liter- so, liter- fasten your seatbelts, <laughs> everyone. This, will be a po- this is a pod thesis. This is a pod thesis. Liter- literature, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't major in literature. That's too practical. I have a literary theory. <laughs> Very nice. But... As someone who brushed up French. on who, who brushed up on Day of the the Triffids and uh, and Omega Man and uh, 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 you were just talking about Harlan Ellison, a boy and his dog, mm-hmm. and all of the great sort of pulpy post apocalyptic stuff. This book is, I think, singular in a, a as a post apocalyptic book in that it is not concerned with the apocalypse at all. Mm. Like yeah. the whole point of the genre is a, a warning, like. If we do not correct our ways, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen. Or if we extrapolate one bad part of our culture to the nth degree, look at the, what society will be. In this case, it might as well be a fantasy book. That, that yeah. It's just something happened. Now and we have a, new, we a whole new are. way of yeah. life. Yeah. That kind Go, of kids. No, no way sense. to avoid it. Just, uh, <laughs> this is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Meh. You know. so, uh, and I don't know that Except there's ever been a, 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 don't a, fight it. a post-apocalyptic book. Ever before that did not care about the apocalypse in the least. Disturbing. Well, that I I think is a sign of our times, right? We've stopped, we've stopped looking for the. We're 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 less concerned with the moral answer to our problem and more concerned with like how to sex it up and dig it. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen. Yeah, we just gotta dig it, and so woo. And that's why these. I mean, that's why I think. My neighborhood stickball fights, okay. neighborhood yeah. stick yeah. fights yeah. idea is really. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you had us. You had Listen, us. I'm just trying to sell my thing here, and it's. Like, I think of all of the disturbing, <laughs> weird, morally compromising, interesting, complicated, problematic, good young adult novels and and movies that we've discussed. I think John Roderick's got the darkest one in his brain. <laughs> He's going to write the young adult, the, the 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 mind. Do we curse on this podcast? Yeah. The mind uh, make love. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty boy. <laughs> the mind uh, the, make the love. The dark mind make love young adult novel of all time. Whoa. What will it be called, John Roderick? Stickball and blood. Stickball. Hmm. Yeah, right. Human stickball. It's, it's the f- French soccer team versus all of China. One <laughs> <laughs> will be oh. destroyed. John Roderick. John really Roderick. excited at that. <laughs> it's a, it's that sometime. Win win. It's that sometime in the future when the Alaskans have conquered the globe <laughs> and they make the French fight. The stickball part is, confuses me. The, it makes they make the French fight like newsies from the 1930s. <laughs> and how do you play stickball to the death? No, every, see, everybody's everybody. Uh, this is this is set in a future dystopian. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, futurescape, right? Where uh, where everyone uh, uh, of the world's populations uh, walk around in uh, in sort of Devo style uh, oh. coveralls, except instead of uh, little uh, little uh, nuclear uh, fallout symbols, they have the emblem of their religion on the chest. So 
You get I don't the, like this You get story. The, the quarter moon with the star if you're Whoa. Muslim, or you get the cross if you're Christian, or you get the... And then you also have corporate teams, right? So there's the Sony. Uh, Nestle. The, there's, there's World Sony, right? right? You can be a member of World Sony population. Right. That seems like a safe choice. Yeah, you can be a member of World Harley Davidson slash Gibson co-branded, <laughs> uh, Gibson Guitars co-branded civilization. Nice. Which, uh, and, and then, uh, so then the stick fights are, stick ball fights are, it's not just stick fighting. It's not just stick fighting. There I thought it was people hitting with these it's, it's like the It's like the Mayan game where you have to keep the ball in play with oh. your hips oh. and you're hitting nice. each other with wow. sticks. So right. they, they hand out the Shake sticks it. and they all say, you know why you're going to do this. Right. <laughs> just go out and do <laughs> it. Look at everybody's you know, overalls and make a decision. You know you, you, know you had this coming. <laughs> it was coming. <laughs> when we gave you that Because when he, when he murders that girl and says, you know that you had this coming, the audience is supposed to go, oh, that's extreme, but I kind of do know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but in this, in that case, no one did. So, all right, John Ro- John Roderick's new stick rollerball. Well, mm. teenagers have it coming. They're <laughs> terrible people, right? Oh, good, another one. On French. <laughs> well, French maybe athletes, you know what? It's been ten teenagers. years since I saw Battle Royale. I'm now a forty year old. Yeah. Maybe if I saw it today, I would feel You'd be like, I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. you jerks, you little texter. What, how long ago did you last see Casino Royale? Which, it's the uh, same which one? thing, actually. Same movie. The David Niven. <laughs> the David Niven <laughs> Casino Royale. I don't know that I've ever seen that. The Woody Allen Casino Royale. You've never seen. I've never seen that. You'd be surprised at all the him? things that Someone I have. Well, I, I guess he never seen. worked in a video store. Uh, I did work in a video store, oh, okay. Film Fest Video in New Haven, Connecticut. And <laughs> guess what happened one day? <laughs> what? <laughs> you were watching Somebody Ace Ventura: Pet Detective for the 80th time. I answered the phone. And, uh, Wait, let's reenact it. Bring, bring. Oh, but I can't do the other side because I don't know. You, you don't know. You're, you don't have the lines. I might be able to feel it. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was the kind of call that you would get sometimes when you worked in retail. And because uh, people in retail kind of all know each other by sight, but not necessarily by name in other retail environments. Like, because mm-hmm. we all go and get lunch at the same place or whatever. Right. So I picked up the phone and a, a woman's voice, a young woman's voice on the other end goes, Film Fest? Which was the store. And I go, yes. She goes, this is Sam Goody calling. (laughs) (laughs) She was Team Sam Goody, right? Team Sam Goody. Someone from Sam Goody called. Didn't matter who she talked to. She just needed to talk to Film Fest because Greg Brady was on his way. And Barry Williams, right? Barry Williams, right? Mm -hmm. Played Greg Brady, right? Was doing... um, a, a musical called City of Angels at the Long Wharf Theater in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, where I attended an accredited four-year institution. And he uh, had gone to Sam Goody and apparently was looking for, for some movies. And they put they recommended Film Fest and wanted to give us the heads up that he was but on his way. Oh, we've got to tidy up. Yeah, blow so, up some balloons. <laughs> so sure, sure enough, a few minutes later, uh, Greg Brady walked in, and it was really weird. And he came, and he came up, and he said, uh, uh, "Yes, um, uh, where is your classic section?" And I said, um, "It's over there." And he went over and he picked out a couple of movies. I think one of them was the Oxbow Incident. Mm-hmm. And he came back and he said, I, "I guess I need to open an account." Uh, he starts reaching for his ID. I said, "Don't worry about it." I, Ooh, very cool. Very I, cool. I, I think I think I can be assured of who you are. <laughs> and uh, I tried to I tried to play it cool, and he's like, "Oh, thanks." And we set up the account, and uh, and then I and I said, "Would you sign uh, something for a friend of mine?" Not that I'm not a fan, but this is Christine Connor, Jonathan mm-hmm. Colton's wife, 
was always a huge fan of, of the Brady Bunch uh, and him. And so he said, sure. And he said uh, something nice to Christine, using Brady as an adjective, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, he said, oh, one other question. Um, do you have any adult films? Oh, yeah. And I was... It had I, to happen. I uh, felt... Yeah. Like, what would it be like to be Greg Brady in a world <sighs> before internet? Like, yeah. I can. Do you know what I mean? Match that story. Almost Whoa. an exact thing. I worked at a video store for a bunch Sassy. of years, too. And a popular children's author that I loved came in to rent some movies. And uh, I didn't know at the time. Shel Silverstein. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and uh, I won't discourage him. And uh, anyways, I, he, I, I pull up his account. Or... I recognize the name sort of. And I'm like, mm, all right. And he writes a check. And it's got his middle initial on the check, which is part of his like pen name. And I'm like, oh, you oh, wrote oh, oh, one oh, of my favorite books. Oh, oh. And he's like, yeah, I just moved here from New York. I live here now, this whole thing. And so, you know, he left. And I was like, oh, I just, you know, I wrote my, one of my favorite books growing up. And I look at the receipt for what he rented because I was didn't pay attention at the time. And it was... Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze movie. Of course. Great film. Wow. And two volumes of uh, Dirty Debutantes uh, yeah. adult films. Whoa, so I have there. a signed receipt. The debutantes, that's not that dirty. From this Look, we're all, we're all open-minded people here. Do you know I what I have mean? a version of this story, except... Except, except it's John except, who rented the movies. And it the, the, ends with genocide, right? I'm so, so Hello, to, I'm John uh, Roderick of the Long Winters. And, uh, <laughs> even though I live in a time of internet, I prefer to get my uh, pornography on video cassette. I like it to be right? known. Three-quarter no three no inch video cassette. Please. I was working in a, in a magazine store, and, um, and Dick Gregory walks in. Oh. Well, I knew who Dick Gregory was because I'm someone who has seen Casino Royale. Someone, <laughs> someone you're who a does, man of, he's man not of, in Casino Royale, but I'm a man who knows. You're a man of classic taste. That's right. So. I, I know things. So I see that it's Dick Gregory, and he walks in and kind of gives me a look and then starts to browse around the store. And as he's at the opposite end of the store, uh, uh, like a, a woman walks up and says, <clears throat> listen, that's Dick Gregory. Do you know who that is? And I said, Madam, you're speaking said, to John Rutter. I said, of course I do. He ran for president in the 60s. And she gets a look on her face like, oh, you're the first person that's recognized who this man is in many years. And it will make him very happy if you acknowledge. She's a creepy woman. The way you're. No, no, no. who is she? She's his personal assistant. She's his oh, personal she's assistant. Oh. And she's saying, you know, do me this favor recognize him when he brings a magazine up to buy the, buy the magazine. Oh. And so, and she's uh, she must follow him around and tell people to do this, even when they do don't you know, know who, he who John Rock is. Do you know who is? <laughs> so he walks up to the counter. Well, it just so happened. Oh, no, because I'm in the magazine business, I have an obligation, a professional obligation, to read a wide selection of magazines that come into my store. And it's it just, part of the job. That's yeah, right. You need to know what magazines you'll recommend to that's the customers. A, that's exactly right. It just so happened that oh, no. just the day before, I happened to be reading. I don't think you were reading uh, it. I happened to be reading. Uh, I was glancing over. Preteen Cherry Poppin' uh, Butt Party I mean, Magazine. Excuse me, John. I mean, Great article. Put it up on the tote board. Yep. And uh, I was just, you know, I was flipping through to see. Alaskan for the Chinese editorial. Genocidal porn fiends. <laughs> And Who hates Buckaroo Banzai? <laughs> there in the uh, in the articles uh, extolling the virtues of the new stereo equipment or the new Lamborghini Countach was a half page article saying 
Dick Gregory. Here's the story of Dick Gregory. What? He what? was an amazing uh, comedian and one of the first. He was the first black comedian to ever play an integrated club. He was a personal friend of Hugh Hefner. He ran for president. He had done all these things. Wait, this was in the Cherry Pop. This was in booty? Cherry Pop and Booty Smashers? Call. Okay. Booty Smashers. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite fruit and, snacks. <laughs> and uh, and so I had just been reading this article like the day before, and so Dick Gregory walks up oh. to the counter. And I said, you may be interested. Oh, my goodness. Are you Dick Gregory? And he went, well, yes, I am. And I said, there's something you've got to see. And I went and got cherry popping uh, booty smashers. Oh, I, he, I thought no, 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 he was he didn't buying it. Up. He, no, he no, brought up is, fine wood. This, this is why John Roderick <laughs> is a master storyteller. <laughs> he, he, he brought up uh, you know, a selection of uh, Uomo Vogue and, uh, uh-huh. and, and uh, Model Train Enthusiast magazine or whatever he was in there to get. So I run back and I get this. What admittedly, even at the time, was fairly hardcore porn. Mm. I bring it up and flip it open to the page where he has... This basically a feature article. What's on the other side of the page? Some cherry getting popped or some booty getting <laughs> smashed. I don't know. One of the one or the other. Classic stuff. And uh, maybe it was a cherry booty getting popped. It's possible. Pop booty smashed. Cherry pop smashed. But in any case, he he goes boy oy, 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 because he has nobody's written an article about him in fifteen years, and he's like, "This is incredible. This is great." He buys the magazine, and uh, you know, and I get a high five from his personal assistant, and I feel like. I had, I had a very intense personal assistant. I had fulfilled my professional uh, responsibility. The point is, porno- pornography has brought a lot of people together. Mm-hmm. It has. <laughs> Indeed. It really has. Let's, uh, let's, let's crank through first. It's okay. something we do every podcast. It's yep. a different first question, like the first movies on the theater, et cetera. Okay. 73 in. So I thought this because you did that series of commercials for that place. For uh, Apple we would go with, uh, Gateway. What was the first computer you ever owned, yours or your family's, and what did you primarily use it for? Me? Yeah, all we'll go around the circle. Right. A, a so Macintosh prepare. computer. Yeah. 128K. Nice. Whoa. Mm-hmm. The first, the entry level. Nice. And I used it for uh, text adventure. Cherry poppers. I played. <laughs> you played <laughs> Castle Wolfenstein on I, I played uh, Zork. Zork I had oh, played Zork. on my friend. <laughs> yeah. Lights up. Sits yes. up. Yes. Wow, you guys yeah, are Zork. I think I think even though this is a uh, an uh, audio medium only, even even uh, the casual podcast listener probably heard that perking. Amy's eyes I literally open. sat up in my ears brightly Perk. when she heard the Zork word Zork. I loved Zork. Tell me, me more. Uh, the first experience I ever had with computers, and I'm sorry that I know your answer. No, I, question, uh, mine was I'm so no. excited by the mention of Zork. Yeah, this is where we should go right uh, now. My friend Buddy at work there was some computing device this must sure. have been 1982 well knowing buddy it was probably 82 yeah so very very <laughs> early and it was a computer that you could call on a telephone line mm-hmm. with some device I, I don't know a how mo- it was a done. modem. It was it was magic. It wasn't a modem. I don't I I you it was put a the cradle. phone in a yeah. cradle. Yes. Yeah, yeah yeah that was also a modem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the telephone called this device and uh, and it was a text only, mm-hmm. a text only game, and and you could give it commands of just directions only. Two words, that was uh, you could only use and, and for could, Zork know, originally. And, yeah, for and, go and, and for, yeah, right. go, go north, go north, go right. south. Take, yeah, take sword, open door, exactly. open yeah. door, exactly. open mailbox, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And it was the most fun I've ever had playing any any game because the two of us would play it together. And as he, you know, we'd discuss which commands we wanted to give it. And then, you know, we'd see a piece of text that said uh, there's a – a elf holding a large sword, and yeah. we go. What should we do? <laughs> Kick, g- take sword. Take sword. Take sword. <laughs> right. And, uh, and kick elf. And so we had to <laughs> we had to make elaborate maps because it really, you know, yeah. it went all over the place, and there were huge puzzles, elaborate puzzles. It was fantastic. It, and so. and you know what? It still is. He just gave that to me for for my birthday. Wow. Yeah. Oh, really? The old Zork. That's awesome. Yeah. Buddy, really? a good friend. Yeah. There you awesome. go. Oh, yeah, buddy. That uh, that good buddy. <laughs> that came now. now okay. well, how did he give it to you? It's on it's, like on a thumb on a thumb drive no, on half a thumb drive. They've collected it on on a disc, disc on, a, on a diskette. On a diskette. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I think it's it's of course not for oh, me. So there's are a you whole thing. Play I have to go to buddies and have him figure. Oh, that's part of his plan. Mm-hmm. You have to play with somebody. A friend, it's somebody. Was, uh, then, but you know, when Infocom came along, and with their advanced technology, allowed you to use commands of more than two words. Woof. Oh, changed the game considerably. <laughs> Kick elf, take Twice. sword. Oh. And <laughs> I would uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was my game. Yeah, me too. That was a good that text one. adventure. It was great. Yeah, and they have it. You can you can get it online. As it, or at least ten years ago, you could as a like just as an applet, as a Java applet. And you could play it completely, but you could not save it. So that was terrible. And it was always so hard to like – it was it was very complicated as far as like processes of things you had to do in that game. Like yeah. just to get the Babel fish in your ear to have the translation so you could understand the languages. You had to do like ten different things that were just random. Like put a towel over a drain, set the – Yeah, it was insane. Here. It was crazy. I don't know how we ever figured it out. How about you, John Roderick? First computer that you owned. And what did you do on it? My first computer was the original IBM PC that had one uh, one floppy disk, one whatever that was, seven inch flop, floppy disk, <laughs> and uh, we had a second a seven inch we had a second Is disk drive real? installed. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, there were the large I, I the large format ones. Yeah, yeah. That's bigger really than a big. sandwich. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a green, it had you know a green monochromatic. Remember that. Screen. <laughs> It came with a sandwich if you bought it at the right time. They threw it in. Remember that that, that creepy magazine, seven-inch floppy disk elf kickers? (laughs) (laughs) With articles on Dick Gregory. We loaded it up. Uh, We loaded it up. It it had the full complement of 64K. Whoa. Wow. And it came with WordStar, a word processing program. And what I did on it primarily was sit and and type. Uh, I had just taken my first typing class in high school, and so I, I learned to type. And I discovered the magic of sitting and writing stories on a typewriter and them appearing on this magic screen. And I would write, I would just sit and write stories. Uh, and um, About children killing each other? Yeah, yeah. about, you know, the dystopian uh, sex dreams. What was, that the story that, what was the story that you wrote? Oh, I wrote, I mean, you know, I was in high school, so, I mean, in young high school, right? The ninth grade. So a lot of the story, I, I, I think I, I think one of the things I wrote was the, you know, the 400 laws of Rodericism for the 
the nation that I meant to start one day. Oh. <laughs> was that your real answer? Yeah, I still, I still have some I like of how you prefaced it. Give me, give me a I couple. was young. Of course. <laughs> it was in ninth uh, grade. Uh, <laughs> as you do. You write up the rules for your empire. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll find those laws of Rodericism. I would uh, love just to an empire, read the, but a religion. I really want to read the Roderick it's dystopian. <laughs> it's not only a country, it's also a religion. It's a religion also, yeah. That's you guys are, you get two patches on your jumpsuits. <laughs> you guys are also, you're already practicing certain tenets of it. You're just not aware I'm of that. I'm, I'm full in. I'm, yeah, full no, I'm, ready, I'm ready for the capping. Where do I sign? Ceremony. And actually, I remember the first time I was sitting and typing a story, writing a thing about, you know, some jungle cat or whatever it is that you do when you're in ninth grade. That's what you write about. And yeah. I realized that you could write, you could write dirty stories. You could say like... Mind-blowing. I'm sexing you up right now, and it, and it, was, just, it, was, it was just as titillating as if someone else had written it. And I, I think wrote we, I think about we know jungle cats. You know, no, no, I moved on. I moved, I moved on from jungle cats. And there was I. But no, I was. I was also John Roderick's Tales of Jungle Cats and Onanism. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was, Before he worked at the Dirty Magazine, I was instantly embarrassed. Though you know, I wrote like, I dear myself. I, touch, I, I never your thought boobs. my stories were true <laughs> That's until right. it happened to me. <laughs> my boss asked me to come help her frost Dick her Gregory cake. came in. To the magazine store. <laughs> Little did I know he was wearing a deep V-neck sweater. So I deleted all those, of course, because they were too. I mean, there was too much. Too much. Too, too hot. I touched too many boobs in too them. Sexy. Uh, but then, then you know, yeah, it, was the, it was it was the initial uh, my initial creative thing was like I'm going to write stories. I'm going to be. I'm going to be an amateur I'm pornographer. Be a, <laughs> be a novelist. I'm going to write young adult, adult novels uh, where uh, kids, kids kill each other and uh, bust each other's uh, booty cherries. <laughs> Wow. Now, everybody, <laughs> I yeah. have an appointment in the lobby at the Chateau Marmont. Oh, oh right. Great. Oh, dear. Yep. So let's do a lightning round lightning first. Round. Lightning, lightning round. round. Uh, what was yours? Oh, a uh, Mac computer, and I played Space Quirks all the time. Oh. Uh, I had a Zenith IBM clone. Very nice. That we added Sweet. extra K into, so it was 512K. Well, well, that sucker whoa. moved. Whoa. I didn't have that when I was there. Right. Two floppy ports. Uh, let's skip my thing. Let's just do your questions really fast. Okay, Vanessa. really fast answers. Well, we can just go around. Um, has anyone here ever met an Olsen twin? Yes, in this very hotel. <gasps> What well, met. Like? I saw. Oh, not in not met. I, I mean, we were we sitting in the corner, the lobby. and they yeah. were in, at the chairs across from were us. Were they so small and strange? They were small. They were surrounded by they're teeny, by yeah. dark looking men. They're t- very breakable. No, not Negroes. Uh, <laughs> guys with with uh, black eyeliner. You know, like dark, uh, dark, uh, brooding, brooding, brooding. Folks. Sure, yeah. that seems about right. Okay. All right. Put um, that up Amy's on really not happy now. <laughs> this is not okay. Um, okay, I'm just going to point, and that's who's going to answer the questions. Round. Ready? You made a warlock really mad, and you're no longer a deranged millionaire. You're now a hobo, and you only have three items in your bindle. What are they? Uh, uh, including the bindle? No. Bindle is its own thing. <laughs> okay. A bindle, <laughs> obviously. Another bindle. <laughs> <laughs> Spare bindle. Back a bindle. Back a bindle. Uh, <laughs> uh, never know. Uh, uh, can of beans. And um, uh, 5,000 nickels. <laughs> that was a great answer. <laughs> Heavy bindle. Boo. Okay, best material and worst material. Like fabric? Yeah. Yes. Why didn't you ask me that one? I love silk organza. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not a fan of uh, silk satin. Okay. Whoa. Nice. You have, what do you think about this one? Within love the silk it. family, you have a lot of choices there. <laughs> 
<laughs> the highs and the lows. You could have asked it. You could have gotten more specific. Yeah. Favorite, favorite silk? silk? Yeah. Least favorite silk. silk. <laughs> okay. And who do you trust more? I had no idea how appropriate this question That's was going really... to be. A Frenchman in a sombrero or a Spaniard with nunchucks? Oh, wow. Yeah. I absolutely trust the Spaniard more. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. We did it, guys. That's what, that's yeah, we lightning round it. Wow. Boom! Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Boy, it worked you, out you, you so well. You can continue to talk to them. I have to. Go. No, I have to go to the lobby too because I left two of my old roommates down there cooling right. their heels at a ta- giant table. Can we eat? We can eat. Well, the, the entire the entire like wait staff of the hotel is furious at me right now because I was like, I need a table for five oh, or six or eight. So just figure it out. Just pennies when you get down there. Figure it out, right. swine. Instead of scrambling. <laughs> just don't. Here's some nickels for yeah. John's yeah, Here's 5,000 nickels tip. Just don't tip. ruin this thing for me, okay? I won't. I, won't. I, I, gotta, I gotta live here. I know. This is your. I have to, this is where I live. This is your That's right. Don't ruin it. Yeah. I'm gonna, now they I, think I, I'm I Zach Galifianakis anyway. <laughs> here I go. So you can follow everybody here on Twitter. I yeah, everyone's, everyone's on, on there. It. Uh, you're at Hodgman, right? Correct. Is it just Amy Mann? That's what I thought. At Roderick? At John Roderick. John Roderick. At Vanessa Rattles. At Cole Stratton Podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Woo, we Woo! did it! Yay! Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.